Let's go to the book of Galatians tonight. And let's look in uh, several, most of my verses at the beginning here will be in Galatians. So, chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Alright. I'm going to talk about the spirit of faith tonight. Really about faith. But... uh, Let's read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. It says, This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Did you ever think about it? I mean, how do you receive the Spirit? By working for it? By seeking after it? By doing certain things? Or by the hearing of faith? Well, I believe it's by the hearing of faith. Verse 14, That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That's amazing. We read in the Old Testament in Isaiah for a while now, and it's amazing to me that the Pharisees and all of the religious people of Jesus' day could have been so blind to the fact that the door was always open to the Gentiles. They were always welcome. By God. The Jews didn't like them. The Jews thought it was for them. But you just study your Bible and see if that isn't true. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now we know that the door was open when Christ came to the Gentiles. It's very clear in the New Testament, but if you find it all over the Old Testament as well. And there was always a mixed multitude with Israel. And there's so many examples of Gentiles who got in, who were in the line of Christ, the lineage of Christ. Chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 5, For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. All right, now think about that. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Then in verse 22 of chapter 5, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Alright, one more verse I want to read. And this is kind of the, you know, the, what a springing off of here. But Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13, We having the same Spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So faith is the beginning of the spiritual birth and the spiritual life. Now we, it's real important that we get this right. I mean it is most important. Listen to me here at the beginning. If you want to drop out later, go ahead. But you listen to the first part here. We believe And then we receive the Spirit of God. That's how this thing works. Say, where'd you get that? I'm fixing to tell you. A lot of people believe the notion that we can't believe without the Spirit of God making us believe. In other words, God gives us faith, which is to believe in Him. That's what faith is. A lot of people believe that. That's Calvinism. That God gives you faith. Now, hang on. If that's so, 
then why doesn't God give it to everyone? He's not just. If that's the way it starts, by God giving us faith. That's not the way it starts. We just read it there. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And that's capital S. How did you receive the Spirit of God? You believed. That's how. You first believed. But that's... But how did you believe? You heard. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Where does faith come from? God just give it to some people, and some people He just doesn't. Is that how it works? No, that's not how it works. Faith comes to whosoever believes. Whosoever will may come. But how... How shall they believe on Him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? So, faith comes from, the, from hearing the Word of God. So, we have a plain declaration in the Scripture that the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The verse says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. That's why the Word of God is so all-important. That's why it cannot be diluted and corrupted and misconstrued and misrepresented. You can't mess with it. It's the Word of God. That's why he said anybody that adds to this This book or takes away from it, he's going to take your part out of the book of life. You know, it's most important. And so, it's the very beginning. You know, if the Spirit of God, if that's the way it happened, the Spirit of God deals with somebody who hasn't heard the Word of God, how's he going to do that in the first place? We're out in superstition now. We're out in ghost land The Spirit of God works with the Word of God. The Word of God comes first. The Word of God must be preached. And it produces faith. That's the only place it's going to happen. That's the only way that it's going to happen. The way it works is that God has given the world His written Word for many thousands of years now. And if we're willing to believe what He says and that He said it, he will give us of His Spirit. Then, the, then part of the fruit of the Spirit is faith. See how that works? Maybe I can make it a little bit clearer. So then, Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. First, there's the Word of God. Then there's faith. Now it's weak faith. And it's struggling faith. And it's unsure faith. But it's faith. You remember in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. That's how it works. The faith that you believe with first. I mean, there's not a one of us here that believed with the faith of uh, Moses when we got saved. No, we believed baby style. I mean, we did just like that man right there. We heard the Word of God and we, and we understood very little 
But we chose to believe God. And we took that first step. And we committed ourselves to God. He gave us His Spirit. That's what it means to be born of the Spirit. His Spirit comes and to dwell in us. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. And then when He lives in you, (laughs) guess what happens to your faith? It grows and strengthens. And it is uh, confirmed all through your life. This is how it happens. I don't know why it has to be so confusing to everybody. And I don't know why people want to confuse it so bad. It's the devil. That's who it is. He doesn't want people to understand how this thing really works. Now this is the kind of faith that opens the door of our spirit and our soul and our mind and heart for the Holy Spirit of God to come in and make His abode with us. That's the kind of faith. That weak faith. That's that staggering faith at the beginning. That unsure and one of you here now, if you're going to be honest, myself included, was absolutely sure the minute I got saved, or before I got saved, I was just sure and I made up my mind and that's the way. No, I took a step of faith. I said, this is darkness and this is light. And I'm going this way. Lord, help, help me. I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And he did. He did. Now after this, the Holy Spirit of God does increase our faith as we trust and learn of Him through His Word and the experiences of life as we walk by faith and not by sight. It begins. Now, Now the way, of, the way that life is arranged for us here on this earth, we generally have plenty of time for our faith to grow by the time we've We really have to lean on it. Ecclesiastes 12.1 Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. The older we get, the more we must trust God and lean upon the promises of His Word. Now that's a fact. Better remember that. The older you get, the more you're going to need God. And the more you're going to have to lean on God and His promises and His Word. That's faith. Your faith will grow through your life. And by the time you get to there, remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. You better pay attention in this class. You better not be fooling around and daydreaming and and checking out all the time. You better be paying attention. It's the most important school of your life. When we're young and the world is before us and our strength is full and the years ahead look long, you can pretty much make your own way. Now, if you're going to be honest, you just don't need God that much, you think. Because you're strong enough. you got enough time. You got enough opportunity and you can just do it. I mean, if something doesn't work, you can start over. <laughs> if if so, if you lose something, 
You can try to get it again. You have time and you have strength. And so faith is tested in different ways that are usually not as fiery as the trials of old age. Look in your Bible and look at who got tried the hardest. Were they young? Not usually. Not usually. The only exception I can think of is Joseph. Yeah. But most of the time, generally, the trial comes in the latter part of your life. Now we better take heed to the the admonition of the preacher in Ecclesiastes 12.1 and pay attention to God's working in our life while we're young. Are you listening to me? Most of you are young. Uh, Billy John, the dozer guy, he was out here the other day and he said, you know, it needs to be level because most of your church people are probably elderly people, aren't they? And I said, nope. I said, you're looking at one of the oldest right here. I said, they're all young people. And they are. And I'm glad. He said, well, wow, that's good. It's unusual in the time we're living in. But you better take heed. And you better pay attention to God's working on your faith in your life. Because He's preparing us to have a faith that can stand the trials of old age. And I'm going somewhere with this, so listen. These light afflictions... You, you you may chafe at that and say, well, buddy, I've had some ain't so light. Well, I hate to pop bust your bubble, but the road gets steeper as life goes on. These light afflictions, which are but for a moment, are working something for us in the future. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It's not just talking about eternity. It's talking about before you get there. There's simply the these trials that we have in our youth and all through our life are just the prelude to the finale that's coming in the later days of our lives. Now, old age is a time when our faith is as mature as it's ever going to be in this life. You're not mature in your faith when you're young. And it's easy to understand why. And it's easy to understand why God put this in the Bible. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Because most people just don't. God is there and they go to church and they do what they're supposed to do. And they, But boy, life is too big for them. And life is too, I mean, consuming. The, the jobs, the money, the what we got to get and accomplish and the children and, you know, life's just full when you're young. And you're busy, 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 busy. But it's no problem because you can take it. And whatever happens, I mean, you're just, you're just you know, you're kind of like ants. You ever watch ants when they're running in a line? Do you ever mess with them? I mean, they're, they got their little neat line and you just put something in their way. You know what they do immediately? They just go right around it and keep going just like they were. And you can just play with them all day. They're just, no matter what you do, you're not going to stop them. They're, they got a job to do and they're going to do it no matter what the obstacle, no matter what the calamity. They're going to just reorganize real quickly and get right back to it. And that's how it is 
when you're young and all through your life. You just, man, you're just going and you're going to make it work. It's going to work. Whatever we got to do. But you're coming to a place where that's going to, that ain't going to, it's just not going to be that way anymore. I mean, I don't know how to get this across to you, but when you start getting older, there's things that are not recoverable. You start losing people out of your life. You start losing your strength and your health. And and the future is shorter and shorter and shorter. And you see there's no time to reorganize. And there's no time to recover. And there's no time. And there's no strength. But by that time, your faith ought to be such that that does not matter to you anymore. By that time, you should have got your eyes off of this world. The affections of your heart should be off of the things of this world. By that time, you ought to be so dependent on God and so trusting in God that it doesn't matter what happens. You're still looking over yonder instead of right here. I know that when you're young, it's hard to look over yonder seriously, deeply. You know, you, you, you can, but it's still... It, I mean, you can't escape the idea and the concept in your mind that, oh, well, that's a long ways off. Man, I'm just 30 years old. I'm just 40 years old. Yeah. I'm just 50 years old. <laughs> yeah. Your greatest losses come as you get older. As far as things of this world, people of this world. So the harvest comes in and it's revealed for all to see whether our faith is real or not. Now we may spend a lifetime telling everybody else that we believe in God. We trust Him in everything. There's not... Anybody here tonight, if, if I pressed you, you'd say, well, yes, I trust in the Lord. I believe in God. I trust in the Lord. And we may spend our life doing that. but we And we may rehearse often to other people all the blessings and miracles we've experienced in life and how good God's been to us. We may testify that, and boy, God's been good to us. He's, but he's given me this, and He's delivered me from this, and He's helped me here, and He's guided me here, and He's just been good in my life. Well, fine. That's wonderful. And we ought to do that. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But I'm just saying that, man, you better reach a little farther than that. Because there's going to come a time in your life where it's not going to be like that. I mean, you could look back over your whole life and rehearse the blessings, but I'm talking about what's going on right now in your life. Beware. that all of this and much more can be done with a kind of faith in God that's only rooted in this earthly life. Do you all hear me? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. What do you think that means? That means if your faith is all about making things happen here on earth, then it's not the kind of faith that you're going to need on down the road. That's right. It's no better than the religious kooks of our day who just pray everything in the world. You know, they think that 
if we believe strong enough and if we pray loud enough and if enough of us pray together long enough and hard enough, pray until something happens. We can just manipulate God and we can keep things coming our way and going the way we want them to. That's what faith is. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with anything that happens in our life. I mean, as far as us having our will and our way. Faith is not about us having our will, our way, our desires. Faith is about having God's will and God's desires and God's wisdom prevail in whatever happens in our life. Esther said, if I perish, I perish. <laughs> Paul said, I'm ready to, be, to spend and be spent. I count my life as nothing. It just doesn't matter as long as God has His way. The kind of faith we'll need in our last days is the kind of faith that is turned loose of this world and this life and all that's attached to it. I don't know how much you'll get of what I'm saying, but I'm giving you so much here to think about and I hope that you will take it and keep it in, in your little basket and remember because it is so all-important. This kind of faith looks to Christ alone and to eternity and has fully embraced the fact that all here is temporal and fading and impossible to hold on to. That's the kind of faith you're going to have to have. Before you die. Before you start losing loved ones here. And now, you better have this kind of faith. You better have already relinquished your hold on it all. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No matter who it is. No matter what it is. That is God's business. It is God's doing. And, it, and what He does, He doeth all things well. He don't make any mistakes. And He doesn't mistreat us. And He does not do us wrong. Ever. This kind of faith has replaced all the desires of this world with the hope of what God has prepared for those that love Him. For eternity. This kind of faith, mature faith I'm talking about. Faith that is, has matured, grown and matured from the time you took your first baby steps until now you're facing eternity pretty soon. By that time it better have grown into this kind of faith that's more focused, that's totally focused on God. That's what faith ought to be from the beginning. But it's takes a while. It takes some minor trials and it takes some harder trials. I mean, the pressure must increase. I hate to tell you all this. I, I, you know, my kids call me a pessimist. But this is not a pessimist. I'm a realist. This is really the truth. They say, I don't know how I'm going to do it. All these kids. I don't know. This is the easy part. <laughs> Just wait. It's going to get heavier and heavier. Some of the things that are burdening you will get easier. But in their place, 
But by that time, guess what? You'll have more wisdom. You'll have more strength. And you'll have more faith. God willing. God is your helper. You'll have more faith. He gives us what we can handle. When we can handle it. But life happens. And boy, it's pitiful to watch people fumble the ball. This kind of faith, this mature faith, does not cling, but releases its grip on everything and everyone in this world and does it with joy because of the hope this kind of faith gives to the heart. We got to think about things, you know. And, and when you're young, you just don't. I mean, you just fight and quarrel with each other and pull tricks on each other and do all kinds of things and ignore each other and all of this. But there's a point in life when you start realizing, whoa, this thing's about over here. <clears throat> you begin to realize. Or you go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you got cancer. You know, you may die. Then it's like, <gasps> Why didn't somebody tell me this was going to happen? Well, we, you knew it all along. You just didn't, you weren't sober-minded enough to realize. And, and, it, and it, it's a thing to me that's puzzling in a way that people don't prepare for the end, you know. You know, if something happened to her, I don't know, I don't know how I could live without her but I but I know that I would and I know that I could with God's help now how from my where I, I don't know how I can't figure it out and see see it but I've been through enough through life to realize that ain't the way this thing works God don't show you everything ahead of time so yeah here now this is what's going to happen so you get ready now doesn't do it that way This kind of faith doesn't cling to stuff. It turns loose. Faith in its mature stage here in life causes us to relinquish any rights of our own or selfish desires that cause pain or trouble or loss to our loved ones. You almost say this. Certain people hear it, they're going to be offended, but it's the truth. And some people just need to hear it. You know... We've got this medicine that we've got nowadays and the, the treatments and all of the things they do. You know, there's a point. Now, I know that everybody wants to live and if some and I, you know, I remember mom got cancer and they told us there's just, you know, there's just no hope. It's just, there's just no hope. But we asked. I remember asking, you mean there's no chance that any of this would help her? He said, well, I can't say that there's no chance, but he said it's very, very low. Well, Mom first said she wasn't going to take the treatments, but if there was a chance, okay. Well, that's kind of the way everybody is. And you really can't fault people for doing that. But there's a point, there's a point where the suffering and the quality of life outweighs the 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 cost you know i mean and i'm talking about our faith and our loved ones 
Why would I cling to any of my loved ones if, if their life was nothing but pain and misery and they're going to die anyway? Am I right? Am I, what is that about? That's about me not trusting God. That's about me resisting God. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. He's saying, come on home, and I'm holding on saying, no, no, no! Is that faith? No. It's not faith. It's not the faith we're talking about here. Is that difficult? Well, of course. But what about God? And what about faith? How do we live our life saying we believe God and we trust God? And then when it comes, when He goes to taking something out of our hand, we say, now wait a minute. And we resist and we fight and we refuse to accept it. It's not faith. It's wrong is what it is. It's wrong, in, it's wrong against God. It's wrong against our loved one. It's wrong against our own soul. Faith in this stage also doesn't demand anything of God, but is totally submitted to His will in all things, except in whatever His hand gives or takes with joy. What about Jesus in the garden? What did He say? He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not My will, but Thine be done. Pray. Pray. Lord, heal. Lord, help. Lord, deliver this, us from this situation. But <clears throat> nevertheless, Thy will be done. Don't leave that off. Faith is about the will of God being done. It's about trusting and believing that God is going to do right. Not what I want. Not what I need. Not what I think I've got to have or I can't live. Faith doesn't demand from God. It's a thing, man, we've been through this with some loved ones. You know. And I sat in the hospital room with them, and of course the other preacher and everybody else was told, telling just the opposite. You know, they were just saying, we just got to believe. If we believe enough, God will do this for us. Going to do a miracle. And it's not going to be what the doctors have said and what the pictures have shown and what the, what the prog prognosis is. That's all just going to disappear magically if we believe enough. Well, what is that? You tell me. What is believing enough? Is it something in me? Is this all my responsibility? Is is something that I can do or muster up in my mental uh, games or whatever going to change this? Is that the way? That's just that's more like witchcraft and sorcery to me than faith in God. Faith in God, just trust God. Like Job. 
It all looked like God was against him and God had mistreated him and he didn't do anything to deserve all of this. And, and Job, in all of that, Job never once <laughs> charged God or sinned foolishly, you know, charged God foolishly. He didn't, he didn't say it's God's fault. His wife did, but he didn't. He, he retained his integrity. He was real. His heart was real. His faith was real. And it didn't matter if God, if God took away his life. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Now that's faith. Boy, let's contrast that with our day and people and what they demand of God. And if God won't give it to them, you know, if, if God doesn't do what they ask Him to do, they, they say that either, they either say that, well, my faith failed and I just didn't believe enough, or God failed me and He didn't keep His promise. God never promised to give you everything you want. God don't have spoiled children. He chastens those He loves. And, he, and He's good at what He does. He's able to make us stand and He's able to bring us through all of this. And we're kept by the power of God and the salvation. And so faith in its mature stage, it doesn't demand of God. It just trusts God. Totally submitted to His will in all things. What a calamity and what a shame when a person is at the end of the journey and their faith is immature. Or proves to be the kind that only works in this life only. Only applies. Only pertains to things here. You know, to keeping what I got. You know, people pray about everything. Pray that I can hit the lottery. You know, you ever hear anybody say that? <laughs> pray we can win this ball game. Yeah. Don't you know God in heaven is really concerned about a Stupid ball game. Nonsense. I mean, that's pretty... Uh, yeah, it's pretty far out to me, really. In other words, being found to suppose that faith is believing God will do what you want in things and people pertaining to this world, if you insist long enough and loud enough, or if you can get enough people to side with you, to petition God, like sign the petition here, and we're going to present it to God. And then when we get so many, well, then He'll have to do what we want. See, a lot of people call what I'm saying heresy. You know, I'm just, I just don't, I don't believe nothing. No, I believe God. And I believe God is good, and I believe God never treats us wrong. I believe He's just. I believe He keeps His promises. And all He asks of us is just to trust Him. No matter what. Though the mountains be removed and cast into the midst of the sea. Trust Him. Don't fear. Trust Him. Rest in Him. He's our refuge and He's our hope and He's everything. Trust Him. That's what He wants. When the Son of Man cometh, shall He find faith on the earth. When faith becomes the means you try to use to force God to let you have what you want, 
It's not real faith. Faith is basically this, not my will, but thine be done. This is the way faith is born in our heart in the beginning. Isn't that right? That is exactly how it happened with me. I remember saying, Lord, I'm done. I'm through fighting. I'm through resisting. From this point on, Your will be done. Whatever, I, whatever you want to do with me, I'm a, I, here I am. I remember that. That's the point. That's the moment in my life when everything changed. How much did I? How much faith did I have? <laughs> well, it wasn't very much, but it was enough to do that and mean it. What now? It's a totally different. I mean, it's, it's, well, it's kind of like being married for 45, 50 years. You know, we tell you young people, it's not even nothing like what you started. And it's not. Yeah, that's the way this is. How can I describe to you? No more than I can describe that to you. I can't get you to understand or to feel or to be able to comprehend. But faith grows and changes through life because the Spirit of God is in you and the fruit of the Spirit is faith. And all the trials of life lead up to that final one. What, you know, Brother Melby preached a message one time. We had him up here to preach a meeting over there at Bethel years ago. And the name of the message was, Will it do when you're dying? Will it do when you're a dying? Good question. Is what you have right now? I mean, if if an hour from now you were dying and you knew it, how would your faith suffice? This is the way faith is born in our heart and we know, we believe when we are really okay with what God does, whether we like it or not, or whether we understand it or not. You want to know if you really believe? Just how well do you take it when God does something contrary to what you want or what you think? When He removes something that you're clinging to in your life, how do you react? That's how much you believe. That's how much faith you really have. So by the time it has had a lifetime of growth, this this principle should be the strongest manifestation of our faith. Not my will, but thine be done. By the time our faith is mature, that, that ought to be the thing that everybody can see the easiest. See first about us is that we are submitted to God and whatever His will is, is okay. We just want His will. If I live or die, doesn't matter. Whatever the Lord of the, the will of the Lord is. The state of the soul that possesses that kind of mature faith, the state is peace and assurance and quietness and rest. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and thir- through 30, He said, very familiar verses, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You find somebody that's on in their years, and they've got this kind of faith, you're going to see a peaceful soul. You're going to see a soul that is not burdened down. You're going to see a soul that is ready to die. And at peace. That's what you're going to see. A soul that doesn't possess this kind of faith is going to be a troubled soul. A soul that has no peace. A soul that is full of fear. And fretful. It's easy to tell the difference. Faith manifests itself more and more. When you're young, nobody really knows what you believe, if you believe Kind of hard to tell, honestly. All we got to go on, what you say. And it's that, it's, that's true of everybody in all times of life. But I mean, you know, these things have to come upon us before everybody else can tell what's what. And before we can even tell about ourselves. God doesn't try our faith so He'll know what we got. He knows what we got. We don't know what we've got. And neither does everybody else around us. To be in any other state of mind, or your heart or spirit, is to be striving against God. You know, Isaiah chapter 45 verse 9, Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Well, how do you strive with your maker? What does that mean? Well, striving means fighting, resisting. You strive any with anybody, anything. You strive with things here. On, you know, that means to resist it. There's a fight. Not yielding. Striving with your maker is not yielding to his will. Resisting his will. Saying no, no, no. Should we say no to God? About anything? <laughs> God has compassion on us. It's amazing. He does. Hezekiah cried out to God, remember? He went and begged God, and God added 15 years on his life. Can God do stuff like that? Oh, yeah, He can. He can. But if you'll read Hezekiah's prayer, he he didn't he wasn't fighting God, he was just pleading and begging for mercy. Did the fifteen years do him any good? Nope. Been better off if he'd have died right then. Sometimes God'll let you have what you want but send leanness into your soul. He gave them the desire of their heart, but He get sent leanness to their soul. I'd rather, I'd rather just trust God and let Him do what He thinks is best. Yes, sir. If I don't need that, 
and He takes it away, then He knows what's best. He's my Father. He's all-wise, all-knowing. He sees and understands the whole picture that I don't for sure. And if He, what He does is good, no matter what it looks like from where I'm sitting right now. And faith is my part to just trust Him and say, yes, Lord. Thank You, Lord. It is God who gives life and it's God who takes it. That's His right. And it's His call, not ours. Whatever God takes from us or gives to us is always done with divine wisdom and is the best for us in view of eternity and the whole picture of everything. God is doing it for our good. If we believe God and trust Him, how can we resist His hand? Proverbs 3, 5. We all know this verse. This is one of those verses everybody memorizes. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. You know, and it goes on in all thy ways. Acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy path. Proverbs 29, verse 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. See, a lot of people, most people read these verses and they think this life only. They're not thinking of the big picture. They're not thinking of the real reality of eternity. They're just thinking, you know, that'll make me... They want to prosper here and now. They want to have everything in life that they want and need and they use the Scriptures to justify that kind of faith. But if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If we truly trust Him while the evil days come not, see, y'all young, the evil days haven't come yet. Yeah, but let me tell you what happened. I mean, let me tell you what that cost. And man, I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. Evil days haven't come. It's what the Scripture said. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not. You think you may have it rough. You think, boy, this is the toughest part of life. It's not. The evil days are yet to come. You better remember your Creator while the evil days come not. You better learn to trust God in the light or you will never be able to trust Him when it starts getting dark on you. If you trust Him while the evil days come not, then we'll find Him sufficient when those evil days do come. Isaiah 46 verse 4, And even to your old age I am He. And even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. Well, see, believe in God. Trust in God while you're young. Things like that mean something to you when you get old. They're priceless. Proverbs 16, verse 31, The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. It's a crown of glory if there's faith there that's grown and matured and been purified 
and tried and tested. It's there for other people to look at. That's why the the gray head and all of that, that's why it's a place of honor. If 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 there's been real faith in that life, then at the end of it, there's going to be a great reward. Don't disappoint those who are following behind you when you get old by having a faltering faith. Prepare for it while you're young by walking by faith in God. Learn what it means. Be honest about what it means and what you have. What you have. Examine yourselves to see if you be in the faith. <clears throat> Prepare for it while you're young. Make it your habit to deal with the disappointments and the losses and the hardships and the grief of life by casting those burdens upon the Lord. I see young people who can't take anything, any kind of uh, calamity in their life. Man, they're off the rails. Well, they ain't ever going to make it when they get old. They, 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 they're not in the right realm of faith. Because real faith will get you through whatever when you're young. Just like it does when you're old. Everybody's so emotional and they can't deal with their emotions and their emotions are out of control and it's just there's no faith. That's what the problem is. Spiritual warfare. The shield of faith. That we might quench the fiery darts of the devil. And if he, he can just shoot you all full of holes, where's your shield? Your faith is your shield against the devil. You believe God... And he can't just shoot you full of holes and make you lose your mind over some calamity that's happened in your life. God will get you through anything. The world doesn't know that. Most people who sit in churches don't know that anymore. They turn immediately to the, to the sorcerers of this world with their drugs and the shrinks with their demonic philosophies and everything. Instead of to God... Who made you? He said, he said there, I am he I have made, I will bear, even I will carry, and will deliver you. Well, that's enough right there. What else? Did he miss anything? Did he leave a loophole for you to fall through the cracks and crash and burn? Because God forgot something. No, he's able to take care of us. Every need we have. He's able to... Calm your heart and your emotions and, and keep your mind from going bananas. He's the rock, remember? So make it your habit when you're young to deal with your disappointments and everything in life, hardships, and grief, by casting your burden upon the Lord. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee. He'll never learn to realize in a very practical way that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose.
Romans 8, 28. Of course, everybody knows those verses. I know we know those verses, but what about your faith? Do you draw your faith from those verses? Because that's where faith is based, and that's where it's born, from the Word of God, from the promises of God. I keep mentioning it, but we've been reading Isaiah, and it's funny because we talked about it this yesterday, I think, but all through the first part, you just get some sweet things scattered around here and there. But most of it's whoa, whoa, whoa. And I mean judgment and rah, rah, rah. But then toward the last, when you get over there about 49 and 50, and then it just all turns. Especially when you get to chapter 53. Christ. And then after that, it's just wonderful, sweet promises of God. It's kind of like life is, see. You hear the good news of the gospel when you're young. You can rejoice in it and all of that. But uh, it gets sweeter as time goes on. Because that faith is tried. Little by little, little by little. And it's And God does that so that you can end up <laughs> right with a crown of glory. Amen. It's the thing that troubles me because I see people who just... I see this not happening in people's lives. People that ought not to have this kind of problem in their old age. They do. And it it's it's a... It's one of those things at this point in my life where I'm at, it's it's kind of startling because it makes me just think, oh, you know. I'm thankful for how God has worked in my life, you know, and just separated me from everybody. That's the best thing that has ever happened in my life is getting out of the crowd and away from all of the club. When they kicked me out, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. And lonesome, well, I used to tell Brother Owen them, I'd said, you know, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going back to Missouri and I'll just go down there on the porch of the cabin at the lake and just sit there and watch the birds fly by. And it's been the best thing that ever happened to me. Because... All the fog cleared up. And I began to see things as they really are. And through the Word of God, instead of what this and thinks and that and thinks, and you know, who gets mad if you say this? And who says you're done if you say that? And, you know. It, the words are so simple, but yet. It's so evasive somehow or another. Trust the Lord. Get your Bible. Get a concordance. Look that up. Trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord. See how much the Bible talks about that. Simple little words. But do you trust the Lord? Really? How do you react when things don't go the way you want them to go? 
I know everybody reacts like, hallelujah, when things go the way you want them to go. You pray and God gives you what you want. It's like a slot machine. I mean, there you go. Yeah! God answered my prayer. But if you pray and ask for something and you don't get it, you just say, God, don't answer my prayer. He just won't answer my prayer. God answers every prayer. You just can't take no for an answer. Exactly. That's our problem, Sam. Real faith can. Real faith can. Peter, do you love me? I thought about that today. Peter, do you love me? Does it hurt you when somebody don't trust you? Would it hurt you if your own wife or husband didn't trust you? Didn't believe you? And you were true. Think about how God must feel. It's the greatest offense to God when we don't believe Him. That's why it was such an offense that the Israelites wouldn't believe Him. Their unbelief. Father, thank You for the Word of God and thank You for the truth here tonight. Thank You for pointing all of this out to us and I pray that it would go somewhere in our hearts and minds. I pray, Lord, that we'd be prepared for the days ahead and that we would be prepared to trust You no matter what. Help us, Lord, to realize that all things are under Your control and that You do all things well and you do, You're do. you righteous and You're just and You never do us wrong. You'd never lie to us. You'd never take something from us or hurt us with malice or with any, or carelessly or for naught. You would never do that. Whatever you do in our life, whatever you take from us, whatever you give us, it's always for our good and for your glory. And I pray you'd help us to understand that is the absolute truth and believe it and live by it. Please help us, Lord. There's no telling what's ahead for all of us here tonight. We're living in such times. And and even if it was a wonderful, peaceful time and the future was bright in this world, we'd still be facing these things of life, death and loss and separation and troubles of all kinds. And, and Lord, help us to realize that the days are evil and that we're going to have to have a faith that'll, that will endure some terrible things that we'll face in our life. It's just part of the being in this world. <clears throat> Help us to learn how. And I pray for these young people that you'd help them to learn while they're young to not resist you, to not cling to things of this world or things of this life, but to be able to lay it into your hand with with acceptance and with joy by trusting you and knowing that you're doing something that's going to be good in the future. Please watch over us now and work in our hearts as we go home in Jesus' name. Amen.